Last week as we began our new series, Thriving in Exile, uh, I tried to work toward an answer to the question of why I think exile is the right metaphor for us in this season, and I want to continue down that path today. I want us to learn from exile in the Bible as we consider what is next for us as a church and how we might thrive in this season. We need to frame our thinking correctly that we can thrive in the midst of all of the unknown and all the chaos and all the anxiety around us. I want us to ask questions like, how can we live for the peace of our city? How can we be people of peace in the midst of a season like this when the whole world is in a storm? Last week we looked at what God said through the prophet Habakkuk before they were sent into exile and what God was doing in their life, why he was sending them into exile. Today I want to look at what God said through the prophet Jeremiah who wrote a letter to those who were in exile in Babylon that they might know how to thrive in the midst of that particular season. We're going to look at Jeremiah's letter to the exiles in three different ways. We're going to look at it and see the plan he gave them. We're going to look at the warning he gave them and then we're going to look at the promise that he issued to them. The plan and the warning and the promise. And I think the promise is all wrapped up fully and finally in the person and work of Jesus in an ultimate way as, as he accomplishes our salvation on our behalf. So we're going to look at the plan, the warning, and the promise. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Jeremiah is here speaking into the heart of the exiled people with a word from the Lord and he gives them a five-point plan. He says, build your homes, plant your gardens, establish and multiply your community. He says, seek the welfare of the city and pray for the city and pray for the welfare of the city on its behalf. It's a five-fold plan to thrive in the midst of exile. Build your homes. He told them to build their homes because they needed to establish themselves there, that this exile was not going to be momentary where they could just sort of put up a tent and ride out the storm for a few months. No, they needed to plan for the long haul while they lived in this new reality of their new situation. He told them to plant their gardens. Most of us are a tad connected from the supply chain of the produce that we purchase at grocery stores around us. But if you're going to plant gardens and eat their produce... It means that you need to be planning for the seasons. There's a time to till the soil. There's a time to plant the seed. There's a time to nurture the growth. And then there's a time for harvest. Jeremiah is saying you need to live in this new reality of your new exile with a plan to flourish, not for the next week or two or even the next month or two, but you need to look at it in seasons. He told them to establish and multiply their community. He's saying, listen, this is not a time for retreating within the four walls of your home and not considering the community around you. He says, you might be in exile, but that doesn't mean you should neglect people around you or withhold your relationships from them. It's important to be together. Build and multiply your community. Then he told them to seek the welfare of the city. This is seeking the peace or the shalom of the city. 
The welfare of the city is the peace of the city. He's putting this before the people of God as a call to them to consider where God has sent them into exile and how their peace, their well-being, is now wrapped up in the well-being or peace of the city where he has sent them. He's calling them to be salt and light people who live to shape the culture around them with the peace of God in a hostile situation. And he says, pray for the welfare of the city. Jeremiah says, talk to God, not just about your own heart, not just about your own family, not just about your own church community. He says, talk to God about your city. Intercede on behalf of the city that they might experience the peace of God as well. The people of God are never sent anywhere without an intended impact for the good of the people surrounding them and for the glory of God to be made manifest in their presence. Build your homes, plant your gardens, establish and multiply your community, seek the welfare of the city, and pray for the welfare of the city. So first, Jeremiah gives them this five-fold plan of how they might thrive in exile. Second, he gives them a warning. Look at verse 8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Okay, here's the the lie that these false prophets were declaring in the name of God. Um, When Habakkuk prophesied uh, that God was going to judge the people of God for their sin and rebellion against him and that God was going to allow the Babylonians to come in and to carry them away into exile and oppress his people, it's really worth noting that not every person was suffering the same. Some of the people stayed in Jerusalem. Not everybody was carried away into exile in Babylon. And it seems that some of the people who were trapped in exile in Babylon were working out of some frustration and even some self-pity. And rather than speaking into that with words of truth, there were some false prophets, and you can see them in the rest of Jeremiah 29, and they were telling the exiles that this is not going to last long. Basically, they're saying, don't worry about it, it's going to be okay. They were playing into the self-pity of those who thought they were suffering unjustly and these false prophets were contradicting this five-fold plan of thriving that Jeremiah gave them. We're contradicting it and not serving or helping the people. It's a warning that he gave. Just, Just think about this. If you were only going to be there for a short time, why would you build houses, plant gardens, establish and multiply your community and seek the welfare of the city where you've been sent and pray for the welfare of the city where you've been sent. Why would you do that if it was just going to be a short-term thing? See, the people who were listening to the false prophets, they had no reason to do any of that and Jeremiah warns them to disregard the wayward advice and the false words that were being proclaimed. Eugene Peterson said, Jeremiah's letter is a rebuke and a challenge. Quit sitting around feeling sorry for yourselves. The aim of the person of faith is not to be as comfortable as possible, but to live as deeply and thoroughly as possible, to deal with the reality of life, discover truth, create beauty, act out love. The only opportunity you will ever have to live by faith is in the circumstances you are provided this very day. The house you live in, this family you find yourself in, this job you have been given, the weather conditions that prevail at this moment. And so Jeremiah warns them 
and tells them to disregard the false prophecies of these false prophets of self-pity. He gives them the plan, he gives them a warning, and then he gives them a promise. Chapter 29, verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and then I'll bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, and what he's saying is, this will end. There will come a time when this current reality will not be your current reality. He says your current suffering will not be forever. I have a plan for you. I have not forgotten you. Call upon me. Pray to me. When you seek me, he says, you will find me. And you'll find me when I am the singular focus of your devotion and I will bring you home. This is the promise of God to those who are in exile. Jeremiah gives a plan, he gives a warning, and he gives a promise. And the question I want to ask today is how are we supposed to live in light of this strange kind of exile that we're in right now? So let me switch the order. The warning. Okay, I want to warn us about what I'm going to call two enemies of thriving in exile. I can think of 20, but I'm going to limit it to two because I love you. Both of them come right out of the text and the warning that Jeremiah gave to the people in exile. The first, the first warning. Watch out for your self-pity. Christ City, we are not alone in what we're going through. This is a global catastrophe where even the UN has just said this week that we could be facing multiple famines of biblical proportions within a short few months. The facts of what we are suffering in this season of exile are well documented, but, but I want to ask, what are you thankful for? Watch out for your self-pity. If you take stock of what you're thankful for more than the mounting frustrations of the day, which I know are many, you will guard your heart from wandering from God and falling into a trap of self-pity. Not only that, I believe we're called not just to not live in self-pity, but we're called to build in this season. We need to think like the exiles and ask what we are called to build. Not just pining for what we've lost and, and sort of crying out for what we've lost, but taking stock of where we are and asking God what he would have us do in this season. Keeping our eyes on what we're called to do and build in this season. Asking the question, how are we called to serve? See, self-pity locks your eyes on yourself and, and things like prayer and worship and scripture and conversations in community and encouraging one another. It takes our eyes off of ourself and it fixes our eyes back again on God and others. I know that we all want things to go back to normal in some sense, but what are we learning about ourselves in this season? What are we learning about God in this season? Because those questions are going to lead us to the place of fruitfulness. That's where the fruit is. Eyes off of ourselves, back onto God and others. That's the first warning. Watch your self-pity. The second warning is to locate your source of hope. We need to locate our source of hope. 
Where do we place our hope? See, some of the exiles, they placed their hope in getting back home. That was it. They just wanted to go back to what was normal, the normal rhythms of life, the normal things that they understood, the day-to-day, the neighbors, the places they went, all the things they did. They just wanted it to go back to normal. But if my hope is wrapped up in everything going back to normal, I might get depressed and live in despair if this season of exile lasts longer than I'm expecting. Okay, I am not a public health official, and I am not an economist, and so I'm going to stay in my lane here, but I want to remind you of the foundation that our hope is to be built upon. Followers of Jesus do not find their joy and hope built upon a foundation of how things are going all around us. We are to establish our hope and joy on an unchanging foundation, something that cannot be taken away from us. We build the foundation of our hope. We sink our hope. We hang our hope on the person and work of Jesus and what he has done and what he is doing and what he has yet promised to do. So Christ City, watch your heart. Locate your hope. Watch what you're aiming your hope at. We can't aim our hope in this season at things going back to normal. We can't aim our hope at things that are so far out of our control. We need to keep our hope grounded in the person and work of Jesus and linger in this season, learning what we can about this season and about ourselves and about God, that we might thrive in the midst of it. Pay attention to the meditation of your heart in exile. Because see, there is one who is an anchor in storms like these who will not let you be tossed to and fro by the waves of the storm. His name is Jesus, and you need to stay tethered to him like you never have before and anchor your hope in him. Allow him to be the anchor in the tumultuous season we find ourselves in. And be careful to silence the lies of self-preservation and self-pity and false hope in the midst of this season. That's the warning. Now let's turn to the plan of how we think this might work within the life and community of Christ City. Jeremiah said, build your homes, plant your gardens, establish and multiply your community, seek the welfare of the city, pray for the welfare of the city where you've been exiled. So we need to see that this is a season that could stretch into seasons. And I don't want to be Debbie the Downer by saying that. I just think we need to have a realistic picture of it and we need to build as though we're going to be doing this for a while. Therefore, we need to build into our community and establish new, new rhythms of life that will lead to flourishing and thriving, and we need to figure out how we can pray and seek the welfare of our city in this season as well. I'm going to take Jeremiah's five-fold plan and give, it, give you a three-fold Christ City plan for this season. The entire plan can be found at ChristCityChurch.ca forward slash care. ChristCityChurch.ca forward slash care. You're going to find this plan Uh, The first part of it today, we're launching signups for House Church Online. It's going to begin in earnest next Sunday. We're called to build our home, plant our gardens, and establish and multiply our community. House Church Online will help facilitate this. We've got 21 house churches across the city ready to serve and love you. And if you're already in a community group, now your community group is a house church online. Your leaders are geared up to serve you and gather together with you week by week and 
continue to build those relationships as the time goes on. We're gonna continue to deliver worship and word via video, but then you as a community are going to begin to celebrate the sacrament of communion together. You're going to do check-ins with one another, have some discussion about the affairs of the week together, and most importantly, I think, spend some time praying with one another. See, Christ City Gathered is always about worship, word, and sacrament. Worship and word are gonna come to you via video, but celebrating communion is something that must be done in community. And so now this is the place where we're going to continue to celebrate that in the season to come. House Church Online gives us a place to be the church in a disorienting season of isolation, and so we want to call you to this. We're all in this together, and we're all in this differently. Lots of people have lots of different things going on, but we're in this together. And I want you to hear me when I say this. Just just trust me as the pastor who loves you. You will not thrive in this season if you remain alone. And I can sort of hear the voices of many already in my head, even as I say this. Join a house church online and you go, that's a terrible option. I would rather just watch the video on my own. Mm. You say, I'm doing great. Praise God. Praise God that you are doing great. Perhaps you could come now, join a house church online, and spread some of your greatness to those of us who feel crushed by this season. Others of you, I can hear your voice. You're saying, I'm crushed and I don't want to see anybody. And I just want to very lovingly and pastorally call that what it is. I just want to say gently, that's nonsense. It's not true. It's not true. You might not feel like seeing other people because you're not doing well. I'm just telling you in a season when you don't feel like seeing other people because you're not doing well, that is the exact time to get connected with people. This is when you need to come before God with one another. And this is what I say around here all the time. There are seasons in our life when our faith is low and we're not doing well, we need to borrow the faith of somebody else. We need to come alongside others and say, look, I'm not doing well. Can you pray for me? There are others who might be able to pray a prayer for you that you don't have faith for in this moment. We need each other. We are created to be relational in this way. You will not thrive in isolation, in exile. It's the isolated sheep that the wolf often goes after. And so if you're not doing well and you're isolated, I just want to call your attention to that. Our goal as pastors is that we would have 100% of the body of Christ City join a house church online in this season. 100%. And so you're sitting there asking yourself the question, does that mean me? Yes, it does mean you. We are asking that 100% of people join a Christ City house church online in this season. And that means it isn't just for you. You might be doing great, awesome, bring your greatness. You might be doing terrible, fantastic, bring your terribleness. We want to help one another thrive in the midst of this season. We wanna create space for us to serve and love one another in a time when we can't gather together physically. And I just wanna say it wouldn't be the same without you. So will there be some bumps along the road with this? Uh, I anticipate so. It's Christ City's first pandemic. So uh, we'll just do our best to get through it and we'll figure it out as we go. But yes, we think we can work out the problems and be together as the community of Jesus. The second part of our plan, again, is found at ChristCityChurch.ca forward slash 
care. If you know somebody in need within the body of Christ City or somebody who is not part of the body of Christ City and you know that they're in need, you can go to the website and fill out a care application form and it will help us to be aware of the needs going on around us. There's three things that you can fill that out for. One is prayer and discipleship for all kinds of different things that you might need help with spiritually in this season of anxiety and loneliness. Uh, Secondly, there's short-term financial assistance for those who have been affected by COVID-19 and for whom the government program may not be uh, sufficient right now, let us know. We want to help. We have people who have generously given to a benevolent program for this specifically, and so we have funds on hand that we want to release to people who are in need. The third thing we're looking at just in this care program of how we can work together within the body of Christ City is a government program consultancy. It may be difficult to navigate EI and all the different programs that are there for your small business or for you as an individual, but we want to help coach you through that. So again, if you know somebody in that situation, go on, fill out one of the care application forms. That'll come through to us and give us the, 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 the access to helping the people who are in need right now. And third, we are really thrilled to have an opportunity to partner with an agency on the downtown east side called Jacob's Well. There's lots of great agencies down there doing lots of great work in Jesus' name. This particular agency has some connections to Christ City, and we wanted to leverage that in this season and come alongside them and meet some of the needs that are arising within their community. They need sanitation supplies, uh, good, you know, all, all of the different things that we're using right now in terms of hand sanitizer and wipes and all of that, and they also need some groceries. Uh, some of the people on the downtown east side are experiencing a significant impact by this, as you would imagine, and if you've not seen what's going on down there, I would just recommend doing some reading online or if you have the ability to hop in a vehicle and go and do a prayer drive through there. It is unlike anything I have ever seen in the nine years that we've lived in Vancouver. It is awful. It is, it is a heartbreaking situation on a good day and it's unlike anything I've ever seen right now. So we're going to come alongside this agency as a church and see if we can help meet some of those needs. Um, We would ask as well that you pray for the peace of these neighbors and friends. These are sons and daughters. These are brothers and sisters. These are people's uncles and aunts. It has always been heartbreaking to see what happens there, but the pandemic that we're experiencing in our city right now has heightened that. You can find a list of what is needed at Christ City Church slash care. Go on there and find the Jacob's Well link. There is a list there of what we need so that we don't have triple and quadruple the different items uh, so that we know what's there. It's a document that will be updated on a weekly basis and we can bring those things in on Mondays. You can bring them at any time, 9 to 5 on Mondays to the Christ City South Vancouver building, 5887 Prince Edward Street. And if you are available between four and six on Monday afternoons and you would like to help organize some of the boxes that we're going to be putting together and deliver those down to the downtown east side, we would love your help. You can contact John Briars. He's our executive pastor at john Christ, at christcitychurch.ca. That's J-O-N at christcitychurch.ca. He'd be very happy to get you connected in that way. The warning, the plan, and now the promise. Um, biblical exile was a season of disorientation, it was a season of isolation, and it was a season of relational fragmentation. Virtually nothing remained the same when they were carried from Jerusalem to Babylon in exile. They had to figure out how to serve and worship God without all the usual infrastructure in place, just like we are in this season right now. But the beauty is when you serve the God of the Bible, everything around you can change and he never will. The dislocation of exile in this season and the dislocation of exile in the scriptures has always helped 
people to locate God once again. What's important in this season is not all of the changes happening around us in home life and work life and economic life in exile. What is important is that we know that God is with us in the midst of it. God is with us. He's doing a work in our day that we would not believe unless we were experiencing. And I believe that God is using this to refine and renew his church. And I'm praying that God would use this, that there would be revival in the nations and pray that it would begin here in Vancouver. God will work this out for our ultimate good and for his ultimate glory. God has not abandoned you. God has not forgotten you in the midst of this. He sees every tear that you shed. He knows every worry in your mind. He knows the weight of anxiety on your heart. And in the midst of it all, he has promised to bring peace. Let me show you Jeremiah 29 verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I'll bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. The way that we can know and the way that we can be assured that God will move us out of exile and bring us back home in an ultimate sense, the way we can be assured of that is by taking a quick look at Jesus. Jesus Christ set aside his heavenly comfort and he moved into our world of brokenness and sin and pain as a type of exile in his incarnation. He was dislocated from his true home for a season and for a time that he might enter into our mess and save us and bring us home. Jesus lived and died and rose from the grave before he ascended home to sit at the right hand of God the Father where Jesus rules and reigns over all. But I want you to think about his journey within the framework of exile because I think it will help us in this moment. He was exiled in this way most fully when he died an atoning death for our sin in our place. When he died, you've got to think it's the author of life who dies in our place and for our sin fully exiled for our sake as he enters into death. Not that he would remain there forever, but that he would rise again so that he could fulfill the promise to bring us to our ultimate home. God says, I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Yes and amen. This was true of those who were in Babylon being promised to be brought home to Jerusalem. And this is true for us in the season we're in where we're spread out and not able to be gathered, where we one day will come back together. But it is true in this most beautiful ultimate sense. First true of Jesus. Because it's true of Jesus, it's true and a promise to us that we will one day spend eternity with him. We will no longer be sojourners and exiles along the way, but he has promised to bring us home. Our heavenly home awaits us because he has gone to prepare a place for us. Eugene Peterson said, all of us are given moments, days, months, years of exile. What will we do with them? Wish we were someplace else? Complain? Escape into fantasies? Drug ourselves into oblivion? 
or build and plant and marry and seek the shalom of the place we inhabit and the people we are with. Exile reveals what really matters and frees us to pursue what really matters, which is to seek the Lord with all our hearts. Let me pray to this end. Heavenly Father, we ask you in this moment as we prepare to continue in this season of time, as we prepare our hearts and our hope, and as we ground our hearts and our hope in you, Father, my prayer is that we would thrive in the midst of this season, that the church of Jesus would continue to grow in the city of Vancouver, in the province of British Columbia, in the nation of Canada, and to the ends of the earth. My prayer, God, is that we would be faithful before you in this season, not isolated, but together, that we would be faithful in this season to bear witness to the truth of who you are and what you're doing in our midst, and that we, God, would have our eyes fixed firmly on you. That we would know that you've given us Jesus to be the anchor of our hope in the storm of this season. That we would not be tossed to and fro and lost in the midst of it, but God, that you would keep us and save us and bring us home. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Christ City Church in Vancouver, please visit ChristCityChurch.ca. We invite you to join us in praying that God's kingdom would come in Vancouver as it is in heaven.